What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Pig, and welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Humongous, gigantic, huge Sixers game one steal. Stop the steal over there in Boston. We've got the Coggin Toboggan on with us today, and we've got back from I think he was doing free agency negotiations down in Florida with Tony Bruno. Did I did I see that picture, Kev? Was there some <laughs> was there some bags being dropped? Was there some money exchanging hands? What are you trying to do? Contract dispute over here, crossing broad? What's going no. on down there? No, no contract dispute. Just uh Tony and uh Tony and Robin retired to Florida um a year like a year ago, I guess. Right. So they're living in uh they're living in Cape Coral where our um uh, my in-laws have uh, a place, so I was like, "Yo, what's what's going on? We should meet up." So I was met up. Dog doing down there? I saw him at the Super Bowl. It seems like he's having the time of his life down there. Yeah, yeah, you ran into him on uh, Radio Row, right? Where you? Yeah, yeah, you ran into him on Radio blue. Row. Yeah, a very blue picture here. I'm not sure why they put like <laughs> this thing on our table. We were sitting outside this table, and they put like a clip, like a light to the table post, and it was like emanating this this blue. Uh, light it was very uh ufo ish but uh yeah no tony's good he's he they're uh they have a condo down there um not far from where we stay and uh, he bought a plot of land nice up there so he's waiting for i guess he's waiting for the uh to get like approval for the <clears throat> excuse me like the permits to build and and do all that but because the hurricane um came through in September and really fucked up that area like fort myers cape coral or whatever like i'm not sure how long they're going to have to have to wait but no we were not hashing out any secret kind of whatever we just decided to meet up because they were there and we were there so Cog, we'll see in about six months when if there are any uh contract negotiations being hashed out you know <laughs> yeah learn yeah learn chinese buddy your uh ping, ping slip is, is... <laughs> Cog, god bless you? tony bruno but of course he moved down to florida there's oh, no god. other no other state he would retire to yeah yeah tony is currently banned from twitter and uh i was asking robin <laughs> i was asking robin if she knew what was going on and she's like we were not she said that they were not told specifically um <laughs> what happened um you know obviously tony's very active politically on twitter but uh they don't think it had anything to do with that they, they think it had something to do with like a twitter spaces um Sure. A discussion that where people like reported a Twitter spaces or something like that. So I don't know. We're waiting for Elon Musk to uh, to issue his ruling. And yeah, we'll get our, we'll get our guys on that to investigate that. Yeah. You know, yeah. justice for Tony. Very yeah. level headed. He was very level headed on uh, Twitter, as I recall. So <laughs> yeah, very yeah. Tony, did, Tony did go pretty far. Yeah, Tony. <laughs> Tony went to the right. Mike, Mike, Miss, and I went to the left. We got to bring, we got to bring both of those guys back together and get the get the crossover going again. There's nothing that Tony and, and Mike Miss love more than discourse on the old tweet on the old on the old bird app. Yeah, uh, they, they they love discourse. You know, they really see each other's side of things and everything. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Sixers fans and Boston Celtics fans, because yeah. I don't think the Celtics understand how in trouble they really are. Even even just off of the. James Harden, 45 points, even just off of Paul Reed, who had Paul Reed sinking four free throws down the stretch, did not even hit rim. We're waiting for Ford. The comments, I think, are turning on Ford right now because he was just some like closet Celtics fan who was just going nuts the whole time. So Ford has his has the decency to show up today. I don't think he will. I think he, I think this will be more of an audio uh 
listen for uh, for old Ford. But this the 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 Boston Celtics, the city of Boston, does not know how much in trouble they are because. James Harden is dropping 45. Tyrese Maxey looks awesome in the first half. De'Anthony Melton, or sorry, De'Anthony Melton in the first half. Tyrese Maxey in the second half. The pick and roll, they are hunting Al Horford. Cog, how awesome is it to have good, meaningful Sixers basketball back in your life? It's unbelievable. And it's weird to be on the other side of the fence where it seems like we actually have a coaching advantage over the Celtics. (laughs) Never happens. Like, I mean, how many times that, you know, you said, oh, Harden is, you know, searching out for the switch to get on to Horford. It happened, and then he just drained a step back three against him. It, it's wild that, one, we were all so down yesterday. I mean, me, I can talk personally. I, I published some texts that I sent during the game, like the first quarter of the game. Everyone was like, you know, even if Harden drops 50 this game, we're not winning. We're going to be down 25 at halftime. And then to come out of that game with a win in, you know, 99 times out of 100 in the past five years, we would have lost. It's just like the, the reversal of fortunes and the reversal of emotions and attitude is I can't think of a, you know, more of a flip than that win last night. Yeah. What do you think, Kev? Yeah, I got to be honest. I was I wasn't looking forward to doing this show because yeah, I was like half paying attention when I was down in Florida and you know, following the Embiid news just a little bit. I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, okay, he's not going to play in game 1. They're going to lose. They're going to be down 0-1. And then what the fuck are we going to talk about on Tuesday? We're going to be like, well, another, you know, lost season. Embiid's injured again, you know, do they do they move him? I like Keep him at an arm's length. Keep him at an arm's length. We kept him at an arm's. It was justified to keep him at an arm's length, you know, and all the negadelphia would have come come rushing out of Pandora's box. You know, it was barely, it was barely contained in there for, for most of the year, you know? So <laughs> I, I was coming home last night. We, um, we were driving through Bethlehem and I was trying to get the fanatic signal up there. I could get it, but barely. And it was like, uh, raining and it was like like tom mcginnis's voice was like crackling it kept going up and it kept going down and i'm like go there i don't i don't know i forget what what road it is that goes like up and down through bethlehem like 378 or some shit but i'm like going up this huge hill like with one hand on the i got two little girls sleeping in the back and i'm like fucking with the radio try to try to hear it so i could so i could get it but it was funny because they were they were like he was trying to explain like the uh the malcolm brogdon turnover and um and the other the other play where uh, Marcus Smart drove and Paul Reed kind of contest contested the the shot at the rim and he like dro- dropped it and there was the foul and I like I just could not understand what was going on because it was just so hard hard for dude it is yeah. like I I remember last year I watched the I I listened to the game the Raptors game versus the Sixers when Embiid hit that last second shot and it was a back and forth game back and forth games going to yeah. overtime and everything I had heart palpitations like Tom McGinnis gives you anxiety like he's yeah. Ter- He's so yeah. good at what he does that he just gives no. you anxiety in the car because he's just like, oh, 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 and big shot, like all that stuff. So it's like, it's like, holy shit, Tom. Like, it, like I need a Xanax. He needs like three Xanaxes. Xanax I. I don't know the plural of Xanaxes. Yeah. Um, he's good. Tom's com reminds me of Kevin Harlan a little bit, like from a, but in a radio perspective where I think he just gets into the game so much that he really sells it and he makes you, um, he makes you feel like you're invested in it. I, I just find it interesting too that they um, that the local broadcast on TV isn't allowed to keep going past the first round. You know, so Kate Scott and Allah Abdel Nabi can't do it, but Tom McGinnis um, can do the radio 
up through the finals, I believe, you know, yeah. so it's interesting. So you can, you can still get the local perspective on it, but I, I, I went back as you know, when we got, we got back at like 11, I guess last night and I watched the final 10 minutes with Kevin Harlan calling. It was just like call after call after call. And I'm like, this is, this is great, man. The Sixer season has finally begun. Yes. Yes. That's the thing. When we've we've been the biggest proponents of like keep these guys at an arm's length. They don't deserve everything or anything they, until they get out of the second round. Blah blah blah. All that yeah. stuff. I think last night they proved the the, the little meme uh, where the guy's sitting back and then he's sitting up. Like that's me. That's like that should be every casual fan. That should be every Sixers <laughs> fan. That's like kind of on the fence. That like these guys deserve it. And you know it's been a tough year. You know we had the Union, we had the Eagles, we had the Phillies. Cog, what if, what if the Sixers are the <laughs> are the ones to win the title? <laughs> what if they are? Certainly not what I would have expected uh, out of this season. But yeah, I mean, like you said, the the only it, it changes the series. It just completely puts the series on its head right now. It changes yeah. everything about the series. You know, like you could have seen Harden dropping that forty five, and then the Sixers losing by two and then that would be it and then, i mean they're not going to win that that the series after that you're you're wasting you know a prime hardened game and a game that you could have stole and then when you end up doing it and now the celtics are the ones that actually have more questions than answers coming out of game one it, it just it, it 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 could not have been better i mean the celtics so i forget who mentioned it but I think like stat wise, they're a, they're like a top five, top eight defensive team in the league, and like you did not see that last night. They were awful. They were soft on defense. I mean, they had no they had no answer for any of the uh, the screens, any of the switches. Uh, you know, you were getting guy. I mean, the, how how and, and they, the Sixers didn't even have a free throw until what the third quarter, like and, and then you st- and then you lose that game. Uh, I mean that that's all on them. All the pressures on them. It, it just could not have gone better last night. So, Kev, if that's the case, and you came in and you're like, "Hey, all you gotta do is you gotta steal one." You know, we gotta steal one from Boston. A lot of people, I think, assume that it was gonna be Game Two when when Embiid was optimistic to play. Do you play Embiid in Game Two now that the uh, I don't know how much you you paid attention, but the LCL sprain supposedly got upgraded from a one to a two now. Yeah. Um, which is typically a four to six week recovery process. Now that's like me, you and cog normal people who don't have yeah. it. The greatest doctors in the world, not saying that the greatest physicians have the greatest doctors in the world. We've, you know, two weeks and reevaluated then. Um, do you sit Joel Embiid game two, knowing that you stole one and maybe that the vicious CYO two, three zone might be able to get you, uh, get you a game two win. Cause Harden said, we're here for game two as well. I mean, it's certainly plausible, isn't it? I just don't know what the uh, – you can't quantify how much an extra 48 hours gets him. Like, what does that convert to percentage-wise? Like, how much better is Embiid in game three if he gets an extra 48 hours? You know, or is that negligible? You know what I'm saying? Because if, if he's what, – what is he at right now? He's at nine days of rest, ten days of – Last he played was April 20th. So he's technically at 10, 12. He'll be – if he doesn't play, the next game I believe is the seventh. So he'll be like 15 games of rest, so about okay. oh, two two weeks. That's if you sit him for game two. Then yes. he'll have a full two weeks to recover from a four- to six-week timeline thing. Exactly. But he did get a PRP yeah. injection. 
yeah. they were talking about potentially getting him a cortisone shot and stuff. So like, I don't know. Well, well and at this point too, I mean, aren't, aren't we talking about, we're, we're talking about, correct me if I'm wrong, we're talking about pain management. Or, or, so. or is there is, is there a risk of like structural integrity here? I mean, is it could, yeah. isn't that really the question? Like, do you do you react? Do you risk a reaggravation, or is it just something that he's going to have to deal with? Um, regardless, as Ian actually makes a pretty good point here. Don't forget the human aspect, and Bede needs to feel a part of this series. Actually, you want to do a space part there. Um, <laughs> So he is going to want to play uh, game two anyway. I mean, that's true. Like he's probably sitting there thinking, like, I want a piece of this, you know. Yeah. So how 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 do you tell him not to? Um... And Brett uh, is checking into the chat. He says, "I'm a physical therapist. It's very weird. He hasn't been wearing a brace." Brett, I'll ask you another question if you can answer it in the chat. Do you worry when you have an injury like this? Do you worry about you know, him reaggravating it a structural thing? Or are we just talking about? dealing with pain because you know you have these guys who are like look it is what it is we're not gonna be able to handle something like this until you get to the off season yeah. so do you just say give me the needle and let's fucking go with it you know um, yeah that was the injury from two years ago remember he tore his meniscus and they're like you can't injure it anymore so yeah. he can go out there and play and and do it and, and so it's almost like harper right i mean it's like we know you're gonna need the surgery so mm -hmm. play play dh and I usually don't play DH. You are a DH, um, but you know, know what I'm trying, trying to say. I know the sexy argument right now is like we just watched probably the most fun brand of basketball last night, and they look totally yeah. different on offense without Joel Embiid. And I'll admit it. I'll be the first one to admit the brand of basketball that the Sixers play when Joel Embiid is in is not the most uh, fun to no, watch. It's, it's terrible. Uh, it's, rolls it. it's, fucking, it's a fucking terrible yeah. brand of basketball. Yeah. I mean, but isn't that what we said, what we said when Doc came to – to begin with was Brett Brown was playing this motion offense where they're slinging the ball around. And now it's like Harden pick and roll ISO and beat ISO. And that's their offense, you know, 100%. But man, I can't stress enough how important Craig, I think I sent you the pick and roll stats for Al Horford and stuff. If you can put up, we'll get to Brett in a second. Um, we, if you could pull up those Al Horford stats, just how much he was targeted on the pick and roll. Just imagine. So here it is. Harden running pick and roll at Horford, 16 direct picks, led to 28 points. That's 1.75 points per possession. That's from Second Spectrum on Twitter. I mean, that is that is insane. That's a that's an open door right there playing defense. You know, imagine running the pick and roll with Joel Embiid <laughs> and your MVP and not Paul Reed. I think Harden may have given the, the the ball to Paul Reed one time that I can remember, and it was late in the game when he went to the free throw line for two. Yeah. Most of the time, it was P.J. Tucker setting the screen, and he would just get the hell out of the way. But they were getting murdered on the pick and roll. They were getting murdered on the dribble handoff last night. Like, Just imagine adding him into it. And I know, like I said, it's going to be the most boring brand of basketball, but I really think Boston could be in trouble. Uh, Craig, can we get to Brett's comment so we can uh, – we can read that. Here's an update to Brett. If there is a tear, yes, the ACL, LCL, PCL, MCL. I mean, they're just they're just too many acronyms for for, for ligaments now. A lot of collateral ligaments in there. Right. Yeah. Are uh, there are stability ligaments? Yeah. That's why I think they'd have him wear a brace, similar to what offensive linemen wear in the NFL. Okay. So maybe he will wear a brace. I mean, he. If, oh, yeah. here's another one. If it's a stretch and intact, yes, pain management tear. It's about the size and how he feels with movement. Okay. Yeah. Because you remember the meniscus. Now the report was that it was not a big, a significant meniscus tear. It was like a small meniscus tear. It was like on a certain part of his knee or whatever. It's like bringing back all these terrible memories of the, of that thing now. Yeah. You know. He but, wore um, a brace just, that season too, right? Didn't he wear a brace for that injury in the playoffs? Yes. 
Yeah, he came back. I think he got rid of it sometime in the playoffs, if I remember correctly, or he came back after the two weeks, wore a brace, and then, like, hey, I remember he hated the brace. Remember that being a big cont- contentious argument? Yeah. Brace or no brace? Yeah, you know, he'd look like a big offensive lineman. You know, he'd look like uh, one of the – he'd look like the white dude from Northwestern, uh, Peter uh, Skoransky or whatever, you know. It's like they, the time, they can't even get through college without having the double braces, like one on each, one on each knee or whatever. But uh, I don't know. It's just so funny to, to, to think. Yeah, I mean, you think of Paul Reed being like a good roller, a natural roller. He's, he's more built like a – like one of those like Nick Claxton and Clint Capella kind of guys who's more of a rim rim runner, rebounder, roller, whereas Joel didn't even run a friggin' pick and roll and, until, you know, <laughs> Harden got here, I, I guess. You know, it's funny because they ran that shitty fucking uh, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid skinny pick and roll, which is like my least favorite <laughs> play of all time because you, know, you run a run a pick and roll from like the low block. You know, it worked the couple times they did it. But the point of me saying that is that Embiid was just not really a. It just wasn't really his game. You know, they were doing the DHOs, and sometimes he he would pop off the DHO a lot, but he wasn't like a rim rim roller. You know, so it's interesting to watch how the Celtics um, defended that last night or did not defend it. I mean, you could really you could come out if if Embiid doesn't play in game two, they could come out and they could just hedge and trap and blitz the shit out of Harden in those and just try to get the the ball out of his hands. But um, you know, kind of do what the Nets did with Embiid on his catches. And try to at least keep him from going for forty-five, but and, and that's what you think Missoula would have done at the end of the game last year. Like, why is the Defensive Player of the Year not even fighting over a screen? He's a literal Defensive Player of the Year, and they and and Missoula was quoted at the end of the game being like, "Al Horford's one of our best defenders." Well, Joe, I know you got to you know protect your guy and stick up for your guy, but all you have to do is just go on Twitter and you can find all these different clips of of Al Horford getting killed off the off, off the pick and roll. Yeah, you can do. I mean, and there's multiple ways to do it. You know, I don't know if you guys remember how much you remember from the Toronto series in 2019, but you know, in order to kind of hide JJ Redick a little bit and keep him from being exposed, you know, they would have him hedge and recover. So he would go up and he he'd like you know kind of it's it's like a when I say hedge for people who don't know, it's like you go up and you act like you're trapping the ball handler, but then you back off. Right. So it makes it look like you're going to double, but you don't. It allows you to just kind of scramble back into position. So they can do that. Um, it's just so it's it's strange to me because I don't even know if you guys know, but Missoula is a West Virginia guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Missoula. So it's just weird. It's like weird for me to watch watch him co- coach it in the NBA, um, let alone against the Sixers. But he, he played for um, for Bob Huggins and he was on that um, that West Virginia team that lost to do or beat duke um i guess in the final four was that when uh deshaun or deshaun butler towards acl was on that team no i think what happened was we lost to duke then like a like um a couple years later i want to say missoula was a couple years after that i'm sorry but anyway the, the point being is that like huggins was such a defensive coach you know i mean that's all they did for that time period was like full court press and get offensive rebounds i mean paul reed would have been great on that team holy shit um But yeah, for Missoula, you would think like whatever he doesn't have, whatever Brad Stevens or Ime Doka would have had like a, uh, with offensive chops, like you'd think that Missoula would, that would be his strength to set him up defensively and be like, hey, we're going to get the ball out of Harden's hands here versus leave, leaving him with Horford, you know? It and it might be. Like, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Carl. I was going to say, it seems like um, that they did, they did double Harden 
a little bit in the third, uh, in the third quarter, maybe a little bit at the start of the fourth, but they, you know, they abandoned a lot of the doubles uh, at the deeper in the game that they got. I mean, I, I think I agree with Kevin. I think you're going to see, I mean, I would assume you'd see some defensive adjustments and them realizing that, you know, Harden is, if, especially if Embiid doesn't play, he's going to be the main focal point on offense. And then if you take him away, you know, outside of Maxi, who else is going to score on the Sixers? You know, I, I can't imagine they're not going to do everything in their power to, you know, completely limit Harden and, you know, put the burden of scoring on Maxi, who has historically shown he can't do it all that well against the Celtics. He had a nice game last night, but, you know, with something like the last 10 games or something against the Celtics, they really, uh, they really shut him down. And then outside of those two, who else is going to score? You know, Melton had a nice game, but he can't really create his own shot. And, you know, you're not going to – Paul Reed's not going to score 20 and Tucker's going to give you zero and Harris, who knows what Harris is going to do, you know, on a nightly basis. Did I, Tucker take a shot last night? He did not. No. Not a single shot. 30, uh, 37 minutes, 36 minutes, something like that, and zero shot. That's funny. I mean, they were closing him out pretty hard, though, um, at least in the abbreviated highlights that I was watching. But I heard, you know, Doc did have a quote. Um, after the game where he was talking about them trying to initiate their offense like early, right right over, not early in the shot clock, but like as soon as they got over uh, half court, you know, because the, the, the higher they set those picks, you're just like operating in more space and it's harder to defend. And you get James Harden, he's not as quick as he used to be, but he still turns those corners hard, man. Like once he gets you around and he's ahead and, and Max, he's the same kind of guy. You know, where you set those picks high, man, they're around and they're through already. And you're, you've got guys rotating over from like from the wing and all of a sudden you're scrambling. And it, it is like Kyle was saying, it's like the type of the brand of basketball that they play when Embiid's not there is enjoyable to watch when it's clicking because they, they space and they move and they just like fling the ball around. It's kind of hard to it's one thing to trap Embiid and, and double him on every catch because he's gotten a lot better at passing out of doubles. But early in his career, it was terrible. Right, but nobody, nobody would confuse him for for Jokic, you know. But Harden's savvy, man. He's a veteran. Like even if you trap him, man, he's good at like pulling through and getting fouls and just getting rid of the ball. So, what did you think about Maxi's decision making last night, uh, coming off of screens? I, I thought there were a lot of opportunities for him, especially early in the game, to drive more mm -hmm. to the basket in, instead of he would either, you know, take a bad fadeaway jump shot. He'd hesitate pass the ball out. I, I thought there were a lot. I thought, you know, he made some questionable decisions. I'd like to see him be more aggressive, get to the hoop a little bit more. You saw that in the third before he got hurt and had to come out. He had a couple of nice scoop layups against Horford off of screens. But I don't know. Did anyone else notice that, that he seemed to be a little hesitant coming off the screens and was making bad decisions? I actually, I, I thought I loved how aggressive he was. I mean, he kept shooting even after he missed a couple threes. So I mean, and that's what they've told him. And and you know, obviously he's taking the constructive criticism. I thought I thought he was aggressive enough for me. Um, God, I'm I'm so glad uh, Marcus Smart didn't move over faster because that would have been. I mean, that that game totally changes. That's a that's a three point play for Maxi or. If it's going the other way, it's his sixth foul, and he's out of the game. And it was crazy, you know, man, wasn't it? How 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 many like big key plays like that there were? Um, I mean, we didn't even talk about the Brogdon just throwing it to. to should Max. they have? Should they have whistled that? <laughs> I don't think. I think the rule is that if if the defend if the defender has possession of the ball and there's still time on the shot clock, which there was, 
Yeah. With the turnover and and the in the clock reset. There was at least a second on the clock uh when he had the ball in his hands. Although <laughs> it would have been so Philadelphia for him to travel on that last play. It was, yeah, he very kind of was like, I can't believe I got the ball in my he hands. Stopped and looked. Yeah, he stopped and turned around like he was expecting a call or something. But right, I mean, it, it's not like, and I don't think the shot clock would even really come into play because I think when the ball comes out of his hand, knowing that it's it wasn't passed to a teammate, like I don't, I got to look at exactly what the rule book says. But in that case, it's anybody's ball. Like it's a 50-50 ball. Like it's a loose ball, right? So wouldn't yeah. the would there be a negation of the clock it. anyway? If he had bobbled it, like if Maxi had bobbled it and like it went to the backcourt and nobody had possession yeah. and the t- and the shot clock went off, it would have been a um, turnover on the Celtics. But I think since he had obviously had clear possession. And he was time, going the other way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, he could. Like if he had gotten – I see what you're saying. Like if he had gotten a hand in the lane and deflected it or something, they yeah. were for like a, like a loose ball or something like that, would be one thing. Like yeah, the that Craig Craig pulled it up. I mean, it hits zero right when it touches <laughs> oh, his hand. That was a little closer than I remember it being. <laughs> yeah, but you know what's funny, man? I don't I don't know if. <clears throat> oh, Ooh, like you know what's crazy is that, <clears throat> and I don't know. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I, I don't know if I'm. I obviously don't watch as much like other NBA games as I do the Sixers and as I do soccer. But one of the things that they <clears throat> they started to do was um, now that they have video replay and everything, is that the refs and the uh, linesmen who run up and down the side, they're taught to just let let it go, uh, like let the play go. That's what they should do in basketball and, more. Yeah, and let the, let the sequence complete so that and, and see what happens. And then if you need to walk over to the monitor and correct it, you can do it then. But like what was happening, when, I think when they first introduced like um, VAR and soccer, was these guys were pulling the flag up for offside. They were blowing the whistle or some shit. And then they'd go review it and say, oh, like he wasn't offside or whatever. It's like, well, shit, if you would just let the play finish, then maybe something would have happened there. So now they let the play finish, and then they bring it back yeah, and look at yeah. it if they have to. But they need they need the outcome of that um, of that sequence to be to be completed. Yeah, and they introduced a take foul, which is like kind of their way of like trying to kind of uh, alleviate that and stuff. Because I was freaking out. I don't know about you guys when Brogdon hit Maxi and tripped Maxi, and they were on like a three on two, and I was like, "Let the fucking play go! Let the fucking play go, yeah. dude!" I can't, I can't yeah. tell you how much it's just, just hanging on every shot, just standing in front of your TV. My girlfriend's yelling at me to get out of the way. She wanted to watch, even though she's just watching hours and hours of TikTok. Liar! Um, <laughs> it just felt so good to just curse at Celtics players and to just watch it just to live on every single jump shot. And I miss that so much. It felt like it felt like I, I, I can only compare it to a Flyers hockey game. And I guess a little bit where you're hanging on every pitch. It felt like the Phillies a little bit for uh, when they're in October, when you're just hanging on everything. Did you love, did you love Harden? Uh, did you love Harden waving the guys to the uh, locker room and saying, come on, it's just, I do. Yeah, I do. I, I, I do think, all these Houston Rockets rumors where there's smoke is there's fire. If there was one or two during the season, but there's been like six or seven during the season that I think he believes this might be his last chance to change his legacy and would kind of rather just go home or not home, but go where he, uh, where he grew up. 
kind of. Um, I mean, they're probably going to get Victor Wembanyama, so who knows if he can get you know two or three more years out of it. But I really do think he is locked in more than anyone, and more than he's ever been locked in, in the playoffs. You can say, you know, why was he at you know in Vegas at the Flamingo? But I mean, the dude had eight days in between games. Like, you know, not even the worst. Uh, James Harden hangover can last eight days. That's what these dudes. That's what these dudes do. You know, I mean, like during the bye week, didn't Carson Wentz go back to North North Dakota and go like duck hunting or something? I mean, Jordan Jordan playing against the Knicks and he goes to Atlantic City at night. Doesn't even get any any sleep. They lose (laughs) game two or game three. He's a pariah, and then he just you know sweet. He just runs through the uh, the playoffs and wins the title, and everyone just changes the narrative. It's all about the narrative. It's like I can't believe I can't believe. James uh, James Harden is going to Vegas, and he drops forty five. It's like send James Harden back to Vegas right now. So let me ask you a question. As my phone rings for the one well, time, it, it always rings. Scratch it up off your bingo board, everybody. Uh, it's, it's true green. Spark, spark and I have bingo. True Green's trying to get me to buy all this shit. They're like, you need grub grub control in your yard. I'm like, dude, I don't have any grub, grubs in the yard. I don't need to buy anything. Um, you need to keep those dude, grubs in control. Come on. <laughs> um, did you guys know who Nick Friedel was before the? I did. Yeah, because yeah. I remember him from the Ben Simmons, uh, James Harden stuff. I never liked his face. He was he was big. Kyrie and him used to go back and forth of the whole vaccination stuff. And then obviously oh, the yes. yes. video. Yes. So I've seen more Nick Friedel than I've wanted to see in my entire fucking life. And now I just love that this chump. This Is that movie. how you say his name? Have I been saying it wrong? Do we do we offer? Do we um, should he be allowed to get his last name pronounced? Yeah, that's, Friedel, that's, not Friedel, Friedel. that's not important. Yeah, it's not no. important. Right. He's a chump. He watched James Harden literally for one and a half years, and it seems like he, it, it seems like he, he he acted like he didn't report on him. For him to just like laugh and like belly laugh, and I don't I don't consider ESPN people like journalists. I think they're more analysts and they're more for you know doing things you can do for for clicks and everything. But for him to just belly laugh and be like, you think James Harden can turn back the clock, and then James Harden goes off for 45 points. I mean, do they address this today? You have to. Like, like does Nick Friedel call out of work? Like, that would be the biggest pussy move in the world if he's not on this just in with Monica McNutt and with Max Kellerman. That would be a huge fraud move because if we did this, Kev, or we did this, Cog, or, yeah. you know, something like like today, Marcus Hayes' article that I wrote about on Saturday, I, like, kind of, like, flamed him because it's Marcus Hayes and stuff. And I don't believe in his sources, but today Howie confirmed that the um, the picks were negotiated by the ownership groups, which Hayes reported. So, you know, he was the first one to report that. So his sources, I might have to go back and be like, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was wrong about that. I wasn't wrong about everything. But anyway, if we were wrong about something on this, on this broadcast, we would play the audio, make fun of ourselves and be like, holy shit, I can't believe James Harden went off for 45. He better be on this just in. Well, I mean, that's why you don't do hot takes. You know, because you don't want to have to turn around and eat shit, you know? Well, Stephen A makes $10 million a year, so it depends on how what you really care about. This is what this is what will happen with Friedel or Friedel, whatever. So he'll come back today if he's back on. He'll say, you know, oh, you know, Harden, you know, had a great game. But, you know, this is why I thought that he would not, you know, do all that well. And then, you know, if they lose another game and Harden has a stinker, he'll come back on the next morning and say, I told you, I told you the Sixers can't, you know, depend on Harden to carry a team. That's how it goes. I mean, it, it's just all like Kevin said, it's all hot take nonsense. Well, so, here's I'm gonna throw this over to Craig. Here's what he said yesterday after uh he he um he uh replied back to somebody who was like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'll read the 
So it was, uh, did the Sixers win? Nick Friedle couldn't stop laughing this morning, talking about James Harden potentially carrying the Sixers, to which Nick Friedle responded, ha, he was awesome tonight, but it was never about one game. It was about Harden being able to carry them all the way through the series without Embiid. I'll believe when I see it, if he can do that three more times. I mean, just totally moving the goalposts and everything. So, Cog, you but called it without it? even seeing it. There you but, go. But was it? I mean, did we uh, – Did I wasn't going to go back and watch the full 10 minutes of that. I don't even know if that exists anywhere. But were they talking about one game or were they to- – I mean, he still looks like an asshole. Um, <laughs> they they were talking about the series, but I don't understand why the, why the question was even broached when it's not like Joel Embiid was ever ruled out for the series. He was actually like up until two hours before the game, he was still – you know, potentially playing. I think there was a lot of conspiracy theories, me, myself included, that uh, he was going to play. And there was optimism he'd play game two reported by his own ESPN reporter, Woj. So I don't know why the question was even broached that, you know, could he lead him through a whole series when he doesn't need to? Have you guys noticed, by the way, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody at ESPN, but doesn't it seem like Max Kellerman gets like the worst co-hosts on that show that he does? They, they like him so much for boxing and he's so important to them for boxing that like they have to technically keep him on, even though Stephen A like asked them to get him off first take and everything. So they have to find like other programming for him and other ESPN radio stuff for him because yeah. I think they love him so much because he's very good at what he does with boxing. But you're exactly right, Kev. I don't know many people who are watching the three o'clock, four o'clock, this just in with Nick Friedel, uh Brooklyn Nets reporter and Monica yeah. McNutt. No, yeah. you know, no slander on McNutt. Yeah, um, not related to uh, to Eagles receiver Marvin McNutt, right? Um, but yeah, he, he gets like he gets like Dan Graziano and like what's it? It's, it seems like when they do his show, they're just like, all right, who's walking around in Bristol today and is not currently booked? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, they really you're doing. You're really doing at the dregs for that. They, they're like his his uh, co-hosts are like one step above patch writers. If anyone remembers. If anyone yeah. knows an, an ultra local journalism reference, but I love the patch. Patch the patch. It's like when I'm on vacation and you got to get Russ to to come on. You know. Oh. <laughs> Very sad. I like that. <laughs> but like but that. you know it's funny because it's like um first of all Nick Friedel or whatever he looks like a like a the ESPN version of a barstool big cat or something like that. But uh, I don't like what was good comparison. What's with the laughing? Like if you if you want to if you want to have a take have a take man that's cool like you know they entertain they uh you know we're all having fun here right it's not that big of a deal you have a take you go you you win you know you tell everybody you were right and if you lose you just double down right um but I, something about like the way he just I don't know it felt a little unprofessional to me yeah there should be at least some modicum of like all right wait well, it is ESPN you know I, I don't. Have, I don't have like the highest. I don't think we hold the Max Kellerman show to the highest standards, nor do we hold first take to the highest standards. But this guy's like a legit, like credentialed NBA dude who's been doing it for a long time. Like now we're just laughing, like guffawing, you know, like a little, like a little kid. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, here, this is this just came out from uh, Max Kellerman posted this like a couple hours ago. His whole thing was. James Harden has a big game and the Sixers win. And this is a whole different clip. And you have Monica McNutt and Fredell laughing again before the, before the show was over and stuff. So like they doubled down on the whole laughing They're They deserve everything, everything they're getting today. Everything. Do you have the, the double down, the sandwich, the KFC? Uh, the made? Double, yeah. Yeah. The double down. Yeah. Was double it good? Down, I never had it. 
Uh, well, I had it one. No, I had it one time. It was interesting. It was uh, two uh, two chicken uh, tenders between uh, some cheese, some slab. Mm-hmm. They brought it back actually. So if you do want to go try it, you can try it. Uh, yeah. Now that you're back in uh, Lansdowne, I'm surprised you didn't try it down in uh, down in Florida, Ooh, the yeah, food they, capital of the country. Yeah, you know it's funny is like Florida just you know you have these big strips where it's like four lanes on either side and just every single fucking chain restaurant yeah. fast food restaurant on the planet like mile after mile of like mcdonald's and burger king and smoothie king and kfc and it's just like like everything is on the i mean the florida's a different place man florida that's why they do bath salts down there there's not much more to do besides like chick uh chain restaurants and yeah. the beach you gotta, it's you gotta see your life somehow Dude, you should have seen it, man. They got uh, they got clobbered by uh, the hurricane. By Hurricane, uh, not Ida. Ida's the one we got. Ian, Hurricane Ian, right? Or if you're Ian Eagle, it's Ian. Hurricane Ian. Um, but there was like we there was a million roofers out there, like just replacing shingles. And there's boat docks that were just sitting there. There was a boat that was just sitting on the side of the road down there. So I was I must be like living in La La Land up here because I'm like, well, they you know, probably got it all cleaned up or whatever. I'm like, no, it's like nine months later, there's still shit everywhere down there. Oh. So if anybody's looking for work, if you're a roofer, yeah. go down to the, uh, the Cape Coral, Fort Myers, uh, Punta Gorda area and uh, get some work down there. So um, what, what was our uh, consensus on the draft? Is everybody, is everybody Howie? How we Everyone's see. so in that now I'm nervous. You're Jim so Carter. in that you're ner- that you're nervous. Yeah, like it was way too positive. Oh, growing up in Philadelphia, you're not necessarily hmm. you're not necessarily used to that. Um, love the moves, getting Jalen, getting the best player presumably in the draft at nine is insane. Getting Nolan Smith, who a lot of people thought was going in the mid rounds, torn peck or not torn peck. I don't know if anyone saw that dap up between the, him and Nicob Dean. Didn't look like he had a torn peck there. They were uh, that was an aggressive dap. Um, getting him at third, 30. Uh, fuck, I said Nicobe, Nicobe Dean. You can just um, own it, it can be like a thing on here. You, you know, what? I'm gonna, yeah, some dude did call me out for calling Jillian Meal, Jillian Mealy, or something like that, whatever way I said it wrong. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry about the Nicobe Dean stuff, but I promise you, I'm not doing that as a bit. But now, if this guy's listening to this one, I'm doing the Nicobe Dean thing as a bit. Okay, wait, what Jillian did you call Meal? her? You called her Jillian Meal. Jillian Meal, Jillian Mealy, like I, uh, I Mille, can't. Jillian Mealy, yeah, yeah. I, it's like Fredell. Like we can't all Fred- understand like what the phonetic, phonetic appren- yeah. phonetic pronunciation of everybody's last name is. Yeah. Cog, take it away. How'd you feel about the draft? I'm kind of on your end of the spectrum here, where I'm so happy about it that I'm like something must be going horribly something wrong next year. Like Jalen Carter is going to like, you know, become an F1 racer or something. And then, you know, we're all going to be just completely fucked. But I, how, how could you say it was a bad draft? I, I, there's no, like, just even taking off my, taking off my Eagles fandom hat for a second. It's like they got potentially the most talented person coming out of college football at number nine in Jalen Carter. Mm -hmm. As you said, Nolan Smith dropped to 30. Um, they addressed, they addressed, you know, they had glaring holes at safety. They had questions, you know, with cornerback depth, they addressed all of that with prospects that either dropped or, you know, for whatever reason, teams passed over them. And then they gave up basically nothing 
to get DeAndre Swift, who is all of a sudden going to be, you know, that was the glaring hole in your offense. You had a lot of questions about running back. And now he's going to be the top rung in this running back room that all of a sudden has a tremendous amount of depth. I don't know how you could come out of the draft saying Howie Roseman did not do a great job and not have a rosy outlook on this next season and beyond. I'll do uh, for the sake of the argument. I'll try to find a devil's advocate side of it here. Um, Injured running back room. DeAndre Swift hasn't played 16, 17 games in his career. Uh, yeah. Shot penny. Injured. Hang on. I'm echoing here. Let me just see if I got my thing. Okay. Um, they, well, listen, we, everybody said that the Eagles killed it on paper last year too, right, in the draft, right? Um, did Nakob Dean do anything last year? He was a special teamer, special but he teamer. had two, yeah, two starting linebackers in front of him. Jordan Davis, are we sold on Jordan Davis yet? He's got a lot to prove. He's got a lot to prove still. You know, he had some good snaps and some good reps in the the run game for sure. Um, Cam Jurgens looks like he's going to sit again, you know. So you could go that route. I mean, you could say, well, you got the whole Georgia defense. Okay, well, three of them haven't played an NFL game yet, and um, the other two still have a ways to go. So, I mean, you could do that if if you wanted to. You know, I I know it's like – it's funny because everybody does their grades after the draft and whatever, and I saw somebody else come out and say, like, you really have to give it three years – uh, before you can get any kind of real feel on these guys. I mean, no shit. That's like a Captain Obvious statement, but it's true. I mean, like, it, no, nobody would tell you that N'Kobe Dean or Jordan Davis has been a slam dunk so far. So, you know, you you take it with a grain of salt, but I think it's more of what Howie does, did philosophically, you know, where he got smart a couple of years ago and said, we're going to draft the best players from the best college teams, you know? And, and don't outsmart yourself. Don't get the receiver from – don't reach for the guy from TCU. Don't go for the dude from, like, Cal or whatever. Like, just keep it, keep it standard. You know, like, draft, like, good guys from good teams and see what happens from there. I just <laughs> – I couldn't get over the fact. I was just – I was laughing so hard at the fact that uh, after all the B. John Robinson talk about the Eagles, he didn't even make it to 10 anyway. You know, like weeks after week after week after week of, like, B. John Robinson. A lot of programming. Fucking there at number <laughs> – at number 10, it's like, I don't could you know. Done the, could you have done, put your WIP hat on? Could you have done the same programming with Jalen Carter? I think there's a way to do it. I really do. You, you know, the off the field issue. Jalen beat that like over yeah. and over. Yeah. Like obviously running back, sexier pick. Yeah. Sexier position than a defensive tackle. But I think with all the stuff that Jalen Carter gave you with off the field, on the field, showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight pounds too heavy, nine pounds too heavy at his pro day. I don't know. I'm just surprised people didn't really get on that. Because now looking back on it, and obviously hindsight's 2020, why wouldn't the guy fall? Why wouldn't he fall to nine? Yeah. You know, yeah. are you going to trust the Houston Texans organization? Would you trust, you know, the Atlanta Falcons? Would you trust uh, Carolina Panthers? Would you trust the Colts? Would you trust? I mean, we have fucking uh, Jim Irsay tweeting out, should they take Will Levis after they took Anthony Richardson top four, trying to start a QB controversy before Anthony Richards plane even touched down? If you think about it, and it's fair to be nervous about Jalen Carter, is he is he is he going to pull uh, Julio Okafor? Is he going to pull uh, Josh Huff, Josh Huff over the Walt Women? Is Rube going to be uh, complaining to Dave Spadaro? Are they going to bring back? Uh, that show, I forget what they were on and stuff. Uh, complained about Josh Huff and, and Rube saying that his DUI wasn't that wasn't that bad. He had hollow point bullets and stuff. Wasn't that bad. But, you know, uh, 
Jalen Carter sitting in some uh, some Al Qaeda kidnapped room, uh, giving his interview, and 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 Rube doesn't think he's showing any accountability on his face. Anyway, well, Ruben's mistake in that was just presenting it as his own opinion, right? And saying like, you know, I what, what did he say? Like, it, it didn't seem like he was accountable enough. Well, I, yeah. I mean, the question is one hundred percent fine. You would expect the question, you know, but if you if you had posited it as Hey, do you, you know? Do you think that Jalen has shown enough accountability for this? Then that's that's it. That's just an open-ended question that puts it puts it back on that's them. Better. You know, yeah. he's you know, he's a Rube's a veteran. He's been doing it for for forever. I'm sure he came back and was like, oh, I probably could have asked that differently. But did did he? Um, somebody was saying he put him. He suspended himself. Is that true? I've seen that a couple. I've I've seen that flown around on Twitter that like he self-imposes suspension or NBC Sports suspended him. I mean, they suspended Barkan for being, for saying bullshit on the air. So, like, <laughs> yeah. they, they have a pretty yeah. short leash um, and whatnot. So, I mean, maybe maybe he's got a little self-imposed suspension. Someone did say he didn't uh, yeah. he didn't uh, write or, or cover since Friday and whatnot. But um, yeah, I just don't think it's. I, I mean, you're going to have this kid, you know, his whole rookie contract. You're going to have him for uh, training camp. You're going to have him, you know at the press conference when he comes in and stuff, it just felt like a really weird question to single out one interview uh, when there's a whole draft process and they flew him in um, themselves to be like, like you just said, Kev, like, do you think he showed accountability during the draft process? Not, Hey man, this guy in his five minute interview didn't show any accountability. Is he uh, is he character concerned? Six, one, Oh, six, three, two. I'm Rube. I got you till 6 PM. Yeah, it just seems like I mean, like Roseman and Sirianni. I'm sure they got more info. And Don Destandro is the best in the business. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure they, you know, they brought him in. They did interviews. You know, they've talked to the kid in private. I'm sure they got more of a snapshot of what he is and what he's going to be like in the locker room than Rube did from a five-minute grainy Zoom interview, you know, when the kid's emotions are so high, you just drafted, he's just crying on the draft stage, and then, you know, this Guided by Voices fan comes on and is like, do you, are you sorry that you were involved in this thing? And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, sure. But, like, uh, it, it was a weird way, like Kevin said, it was a weird way that he kind of, integrated himself in that question it said you know kind of it was more based on his opinion that he didn't think the guy was remorseful uh, it was it was a strange thing all around but you know yeah. if there's one team that can has the locker room to quash or quell any type of you know 100%. bad egg it's the eagles i mean you've seen that the last five years i feel like rube's not the guy I, I rube wouldn't be my first choice either you know, Eskin, Eskin weasels his way into the uh, press conference. I would see that. I could see McLean asking that kind of questions. He's never too scared to ask that question. Rube just like, I mean, the guy, like you said, he just likes tweeting out, you know, indie bands and uh, and esoteric stats, you know, obscure stats yeah. that you uh, you didn't know about. Oh. I'm surprised it was him who, uh, who said it. You guys are using some good words in this segment. We got well, quash. Yeah, quash, quell. Well, Cox Esoteric? Actual, Esoteric? Where did that come from? That's a great word. I don't think I used it correctly, but uh, not. Cox, well, no, it's it's uh, well. 
Okay. We're not going down a fucking grammar hole on esoteric right no, now. We can okay? teach we can... People, I mean, people should learn something <laughs> too here. Es- esoteric is a great word. Esoteric means that it's only understood by like a select few. Like if I started talking on this podcast about um, about Sepultura songs, right? Like how many people here know? It's an esoteric topic because people don't know a lot of Sepultura songs, right? Do you know any? So I, I did use it right. Well, I, I kind of, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's you no, know, the stats, the stats are easily understood, but they, they just, people might not know about them. So I, it will, it's close enough. Yeah. Great job by me. Yeah. Great it was a good me. job. I, you know, it's funny too, because I just think like, you know, we, like we all ask dumbass questions here. I mean, there's plenty that I would like back, of course. But, um, you know, again, like I say, I don't think the question itself was a bad one. I just think he framed it improperly because I think, of course, you would ask if this, if you have any concerns about this guy. Well, of course, they're going to say no. But it helps shed some light on the process of how they came to that because, because again, we talked about this the last couple podcasts before I, I went on vacation. It was like, hey, the Eagles have a good culture, man. They don't bring in these guys. Like, they don't take this shit lightly. This is not like Jerry Jones saying, yeah, well, um, you know, he beat his wife four times. Well, whatever, you know, let's bring him in, right? Like, this is not, this is not that – the Eagles don't do that kind of stuff. And like, I don't know how many times I can reiterate it, but the Eagles run like a good, clean – um, program with good dudes who run a good locker room and there's a good culture there. And that, that goes a long way. So not only do you have that, but then you put these four Georgia teammates there with them. Like if anything happens to, to Jalen Carter, that would be the, the biggest indictment on him because I mean, he could not, he could not be in a better situation right now. Kevin, you mentioned dumb questions you've asked in the past. What yeah. give me one yeah. off top of your head. That you oh. wish you could take back. Give me one. Benji um, Ben Simmons. No, because that one was I was actually proven right. I think with that one. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna hang that on your wall one day. Yeah. Like the, you know yeah. how we used to uh, how uh, Kyle printed out a whole shirt of like the uh, Jason Kelsey speech. Yeah. That should be your question and Doc's answer. There was you, one. I got a huge fight with Jim Curtin at a press conference. And uh, hang on one second. Backstreet. Cog, what's the dumbest question you've ever written? Oh, I'm sorry. He's back. He's back. Oh, no, the dog, the dog keeps going in and, in and out. Um, uh, no, I got into a huge like blow up argument with Jim Curtin at a press conference once because the uh, the one of the forwards scored a hat trick, and um, I asked this like kind of long winded bullshit question where I was like, "Hey, CJ scored three tonight, but." You know, he's slows down in the second half of the year, and I'm just wondering like what you have to do to keep him going. It's like, I don't know. It was an okay question, but I, I, the guy just scored three fucking goals. That probably should have been the focus, you know? And <laughs> Jim said something that I forget what he said. It was something like, uh, well, it's a, like you've been all negative about this team all year or something like that. Mm. And I was like, who, who me? So, so we were like arguing or whatever. And then I was wait, I waited for him outside after the, um, after the press conferences, there's like a little tunnel that where the players walk out and everybody goes, goes through the back there. And uh, we just started yelling at each other. And uh, I had to the guy, Carl Churkin, who used to work at Fox um, back in the day. He was working for the union at the time. He had to physically restrain me from. Damn. Um, wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's pretty weird. I don't know why it was so intense, but. Um, You're all jacked up. Yeah. yeah. But it was. There's video of it somewhere. I think it's on YouTube somewhere. Not the not the lock, not the hallway stuff obviously because there's no camera on there but there was there is a video of the question in the you getting knocked out by jim Curtin in the hallway somewhere he would knock me out he's fucking huge he's like six foot four (laughs) so 
Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, like he would, he would take me pretty easily. I don't know. We saw with Ryan Garcia and uh, Gervonta Davis. You get low, kidney shot. Kid, he goes yeah. high, hook. Yeah. You go yeah. kidney shot. <laughs> I think you would have had him. Eddie Alvarez had a big win in a bare knuckle boxing over the weekend. Hey, shout out to Kensington's finest, baby. Yeah, still he's still kicking. So. Yeah, it was just it was you know just to bring it back to the draft. Like I don't I don't um, I was I wasn't surprised by any of that. But I'm but I'm not going to sit here either and do like the oh we were right about Bijan Robinson thing. I know like Jeff like McLean had his tweet and and whatever. And I didn't I don't I didn't really see Jeff uh, poo pooing the media as being like I told you so kind of thing because he had been consistent with that thought for in, in the way that we were in the weeks leading up to the draft saying like, it's not about Bijan Robinson because Bijan Robinson is a great player. I just think there's more, you can get more value out of that draft pick and they got Jalen Carter out of it. So if yeah. Jalen Carter goes on to have like a Fletcher Cox kind of career, I know that's a huge like land, like, you know, um, you know, hurdle, but still, I mean, like if you can get a defensive tackle who signs a second contract here, I mean, that's money well spent. You get like eight or nine years out of him versus what, like four or five for Bijan Robinson. And then you, you have a, you know, big uh, question to ask yourself again. I just, I just, I'm not surprised that how he did what he did because of what we talked about with, with the value of the of the running back. You know, they they basically replaced Miles Sanders with Rashad Penny. This is what they did to replace Miles Sanders. They sent, a, they lost a fourth round draft pick, a seventh round draft pick, and spent three million dollars of cap to get DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. Yeah, I, and going further, Jalen Carter now on a rookie deal. 85 million. I, mean, I don't know if he's going to be Javon Hargrave, but Javon Hargrave gets 85 million. Yeah. Now they get Jalen Carter for 20 million, presumably the best best uh, player in the yeah. draft. It's yeah. So it just, it, and it, Nolan it is, Smith. Yeah, it is what it is, and I, I don't, you know, um, I, that's, but it's not to say that like the argument about Bijan Robinson leading up to the draft wasn't legitimate. Like people have these arguments of like, hey, the Eagles are in a win now mode, and most of the teams that draft in the top 10 are shit, and they're not ready to win now. So you put like a you know, a great running back on a shitty team is not going to work, right? But, okay, I could buy that argument that people are making about Bijan Robinson. I just think the only thing that WIP is guilty of is just beating the dead horse because it was a good topic. It was worth talking about, an interesting topic, but not not for five weeks straight, you know? And to answer an earlier question, too, like, could you do that with Jalen Carter? I guess, but, like, you're asking the hosts to talk about, like, how do you get into the nitty gritty of like, you know, drag racing that killed somebody and like, you know, does he have character issues? I don't know. It's like kind of, you get, a, the, you get the Athens, Georgia police on the line. You get the Apopka, Florida police on the line. You get uh Saturday yeah. down South guys on the line. You get Connor on there. I don't know where you go with it. Yeah. And somebody said in the chat earlier, oh, they right, could have done it. They could have, but somebody said in the chat earlier to the running back is like a sexy position. It's easy yeah. to, talk up but i was getting like ricky williams vibes again i'm like holy shit let's not relive all, all of this oh if angelo was still there he's sending a bus out to kansas city kind of breaks down halfway but who cares yeah. bust out the, kansas the, eagles, city. The, the eagles have taken d tackles before in the first round i mean the, the whole storyline with the running back was just that it's purely this luxury pick that they've never done before they've never you know used those resources on a top running back before mary kincaid checking in the chat i like yeah. that um yeah. I'm, um, you know, you, you can you can talk that till you're blue. You're, you're you know you're blue in the face, but you know they've taken D tackles before. They you know they 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 draft on the lines every year in the first round. So it's like yeah, yeah you know you're all, the the storylines around Carter are just all going to be around like the negative storylines. The Bijan storylines are like they've never done this before. 
this could make the offense even better than it was. You know, is it worth doing? Blah, blah, blah. So you could have done it. It would have been a downer to hear about, you know, him being an accident for five weeks and killing somebody. But, uh, you know, yeah. you know, the, the, the Bijan stuff wrote itself pretty much. No, no. I mean, so now over the last three drafts, they've taken three three dudes from Bama, four four dudes from Georgia, and just in the top in the top. Well, no, I mean five five dudes from Georgia if yeah. you include Ringo. Yeah, yeah. So I don't have any I don't have any problem with that. I just you know, it's funny when you get all the Howie season whatever tweets because I know that half these motherfuckers were yelling to fire him two years ago you know oh, yeah. so and so i just want people to i just keep coming back to that thing it's like howie's amazing he's doing a great job now but like you, you don't in order to, d- to dig yourself out of a hole somebody had to dig that hole in the first place right and he was the general manager in charge when they dug dug the hole so that's that's all I, you know. do you think he's it's become more of him being like comfortable in himself and not having to prove that he's like this incredibly adept football guy this insane gm and finding all these diamonds in the rough from like you know san jose state or you know like an appalachian state and then just being like these are the best athletes from the best programs i'm gonna focus my efforts on them and the odds of them turning out to be good pros are vastly more than you know the jjr thego whiteside picks that you'd see in the past is yeah. that just him being more comfortable and more secure in what he is and not having to prove himself as smarter than everybody else in the league? Yeah, and I, I think it's hard to say too, like how much Jeffrey Lurie is involved. I mean, there are like reports of him like like you know, steering selections. And I don't know how much Doug Peterson was in his ear versus Sirianni just sitting there as a new coach and not not being involved either. But I think like you know, when you it has a cascade effect, it's like when you prove yourself and you have a good draft, then those people back off and say, "All right, do your thing." You know, so he's like proven that he doesn't need anybody to 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 do it for him. You know, um, I always th- find those hard questions to answer, though. You know, it's like who's responsible for this? P- I mean, how he drafts the guy, yeah, and he he'll get the credit for it, but like, who was the scout that went out and looked at this one guy specifically? You know. Probably a bad example now because everybody fucking watched the Georgia guys. But I mean, you know what I'm saying. But no, I mean, it's, there's so much people, there's so much things, so much guys that go into this. I remember, you know, he uh, he had that fist pound with that that executive or that uh, whatever that guy. I forget his name was. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple years ago for the Milton Williams selection. Yeah, the Milton Williams selection, and and that guy Tom wanted Don- someone Tom else. Donahoe. Tom Donahoe. Tom Donahoe. Yeah, the guy wanted someone else. So like, there's so much that goes into it. I mean, these. Yeah. These war rooms must be insane. Just dudes just yelling at each other, yeah. making their case for their guys. Because, like, you know, if it, it, think about it this way: if you're a scout and they haven't taken any guy that you've ever scouted, you know, why do they need you? And 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 sometimes these guys aren't just fighting for themselves, fighting for their players; yeah, they're no, fighting for yeah. their lives in a position in the organization yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah. If we can, can I can I just ask you guys how you feel about Bryce Harper? It's hilarious that like he comes back in 160 days off of Tommy John surgery, and we're literally talking about James Harden and uh, and the Eagles because that has just enveloped the entire city. But oh my God, this guy is a modern medical miracle. I think it's one of the fastest times, or maybe the fastest time. I think Shohei came back only to hit. In about 185 days, I could be wrong. It could be even more. But he's back. That's the key there. But you you kind of said the quiet part out loud. Why that that um, nugget is kind of bullshit? Because how many guys who come back from this are pitchers? Like the vast majority, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
So, so I got to put Harper in a completely different category. You know, I mean, I don't know how many, like you say there, like Otani came back and he was just hitting, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously he's going to come back faster from this because he's not, you know, throwing fireballs. You know what I'm saying? So that's the only thing I would attach here. That's not to diminish his like accomplishment here because it's amazing, but um, I would like to find that somewhere. Have like a stat split on like, hey, okay, the guys who came back from from Tommy John or whatever within X amount of of months, you know, how many of them were pitchers versus how it, many of them were, you know. It does also help because it's in, I believe it's his right elbow and he's a left-handed hitter, so there's not much. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, not much. To uh, work. Come on. Yeah. Not much esoteric on his oh, uh, on his <laughs> elbow because he's a lefty, you know. Yeah. Um, I just oh, I just hope so. they're not. I I don't know. I I, I think it's, it's fair. I say it. It's, say it. It's fair. I think it's amazing. I think it's unheard of that he's coming. I think it's 120 days actually yeah. since surgery. I believe. Maybe that. Maybe I'm wrong. But I, I just hope they're not like. I don't want him to come back. And there is, you know, early and there is a, a, a more than not more than significant, but like a 15 percent chance that he could get re-injured again, where if you held him out for another month or something or another couple weeks, you could vastly reduce that. I don't know. I mean, I, I from everything that oh, 159 days. There you go. Um, it, everything says that he's cleared. All of his doctors say he's good to go. It's it's just, maybe it's just because he came back so soon that I'm nervous about it. That you know we could be you know thrilled that he comes back and then he reaggravates the injury and we're talking in October about how they rushed him back and it was a foolish decision. Again, 100%. that could be my Philadelphia. Sense. No, you're you're fine because I do I do believe from what I read was he can be cleared and they're going to still ask him not to slide head first. And if anybody knows how Bryce Harper plays the game of baseball. He plays it balls to the wall. He plays at one speed. If he has to slide back into first or he has to slide, you know, home for a game winning run, he is going to slide home for the game winning run. He will he will stretch everything he can. So that's kind of the only scary part and whatnot. Um, I think he was cleared to slide head first yesterday. I think that was like the last big hurdle he had to. uh, yeah, yeah, I think right. they're just worried about the, the the elbow rupturing is what it is the only thing that can happen now. The tear can't get any worse, or maybe a rupture is a tear. I, I just found out today that a, a knee sprain is a tear. Why can't we just call it a knee tear? Sprains don't. I mean, I sprained my ankle. I can you know do something the next day. I sprained my knee. You tell me I have a tear in my knee. I don't feel like I can I can walk for six to twelve months. Yeah. Um, you got some credit here from my mom, by the way. It was an English teacher for a long time. She <laughs> likes your your uh, use of the word esoteric. You know who we got to get from these uh, these doctors that Bryce is seeing? We got to get Coots. Coots there. We got to get Ryan Ellis. Ryan Ellis there. We got to get uh, Bobby Brink there. Get him down there. Get Joel Farabee, the young Beezer. Oh, no, he's back. He's not hurt. Trying to think of all the flyers who are injured. It's like there's four of them. Um, there's a bunch of them. It's insane. Cam Atkinson. Cam Atkinson was injured. We got to get them all. Yeah. Who cares? But yeah. Cog, I mean, you're. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Playoff hockey is awesome. Playoff hockey is awesome. You see, you see, he's you the best. Come on. You notice he's in the second round right now. Um, Rangers. Dave Haxtell. Dave Haxtell. Alex Lyon. Uh, Shane Gostisbehere. Uh, Radko Gudis. Rod oh. Brindamore, if you want to put him on there. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be like, I think there's one other flyer that I can't remember who was like, 
you know, on the on the last Dave Haxtell team or something like that. Who's who's um, it is painful when you look at it. Here's our Flyers minute. Maybe we'll do a Flyers minute where we only talk about the team for 60 seconds. Or something. We do the new tankathon. Yeah, it's just it's you don't realize how how far I think the Flyers have to go until you watch like some of these playoff games. Mm. Um, I watched like that Bruins Panthers series and uh, like the Kraken and the Avalanche. I'm like, holy shit, like this is good hockey, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just I don't know. It's like it, it's you don't get that perspective because I don't think that a ca- casual Philly sports fan is like. Well, you know, I'm going to watch like the Minnesota Wild and the Dallas Stars tonight in the regular season. So you just you live it live in a in a bubble. I thought it was very accurate. One guy said on Facebook one time that Philly is not a hockey town; it's a Flyers town. Yeah, because yeah. if you pulled aside any like regular Philadelphia four for four sports fan, how many fucking Winnipeg Jets could they name? Well, I mean, I think you could say that for a lot of uh, for a lot of sports here. Like, how many people do you think are watching? I don't know. Suns Rockets during the during the regular season who are Sixers fans. I doubt uh, I mean I know I mostly am not. I'm not always turning on TNT no. TBS because I hate the uh regular season of the NBA anyway, but I think it's all just it's a lot easier just to watch but you, you know, know the big stars. You know the big yeah, players. Yeah, the big stars, but it's a lot easier to watch like Giants Commanders America's Game of the Week on our own on a Monday Night Football than it is to watch, you know, Oklahoma City Thunder, Houston Rockets or even, you know, have I watched like have I have I watched more than five Celtics games? No. Was I surprised to see how awesome Jason or did I forget how awesome Jason Tatum was? Yes, because he's amazing. Yeah. He's insane. But um I can say that I mean I think a lot of people. I mean there's just so much I don't think enough people have time on their hands. You really have to dedicate yourself and that's why I love the pitch clock with uh with baseball. That's a whole other argument and stuff. Now I can well, sit down and start a game and two two and a half hours later it's over instead of it being over yeah. at 10:30 like last year and stuff and then well, you're like oh, ask, shit. Let me ask you a question here just for the sake of the exercise, not to put anybody on the spot, but like, could do you guys know who Ryan Nugent Hopkins plays for? Yes, he plays for the Oilers. Okay. Or the Avalanche. Oilers or Avalanche? Oilers, yeah. Do you know who uh, Elias Pedersen plays for? No. Yeah, he's a, he's a center for the Canucks. He's got like the 10th most points in the NHL this year. But I think like the average person could probably like, if you gave them like a, the number, the 10th, mo- the guy with the 10th most uh uh, touchdowns in the NFL or something like they probably know who uh, you know who that is I just think it's like it's hard for people to uh, just to bring it back to the beginning as the Flyers minute goes on to five minutes but like I just don't think people have that perspective because they're used to watching the Flyers and living in the echo chamber they suck sell the team versus like knowing okay what did what does the level look like that they have to get to that's 100 percent me uh, I I will eat I'll, I'll cop I don't know anyone that plays in the NHL anymore because i haven't paid two licks of attention to the flyers in two years but i could still tell you like every single member of like every single team from the nhl in like 1997 because i watched a crap ton of hockey and i played (laughs) nhl 98 nhl face off 98 for the playstation religiously so i can tell you that like mike gartner was on the coyotes that year but i could i can't name anyone outside of like whom we you know discuss and see on the flyers this year you know the guys you were talking about just now you're asking who they were on that that sounds like made up names to me i have no idea who they are i know like connor mcdavid i I know him he still plays right 
right? Yeah, he still plays. Yeah. Well, here, here's the top fifteen. Here's the top fifteen point leaders in the NHL this regular season: Connor McDavid, Leon Drysaddle, Nikita Kucherov, David Pasternak, Nathan McKinnon, Matthew Kachuk. You guys know who Matthew Kachuk yes. plays? Yeah, son of Keith Kachuk. That's right. Yeah, Jason Robertson, mm. who the uh, Flyers passed on. Jason Robertson was a Warriors backup center like back in 2005. I don't care what anyone says. It's not a hockey player. <laughs> I'm just looking at these guys and seeing all the guys the Flyers passed on. Uh, Mika Rantanen, uh, Elias Patterson, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Eric Carlson, Mitch Marner, Jack Hughes, Braden Point, Tage Thompson, Thompson Tage, the guy from Buffalo. I can't even say his fucking name. Where's Adam Deadmarsh on that list? Is he on that list? <laughs> Adam Valerie Kaminsky. Is he there? Do you? Do you think more people in the United States know who Quez Watkins is or knows who Elias Peterson is or Peterson or whatever? <laughs> after, the su- after the Super Bowl drop, probably, probably uh, yeah. Quez Watkins. Quez. The third, maybe fourth wide receiver on a team. This is good hockey talk, by the way. You yeah. know, if, if Anthony and Russ were both on vacation at the same oh. time, I think the three of us could get on there with Bundy and do a snow the goalie. They'd probably be the most fun Bundy's ever had on the, on the podcast. Right. Um, right. All right, let's do Tankathon before we get out of here. You got it, Craig. Alexi Koval. <laughs> Come on, where's the where's Jim Carrey, the goalie? <laughs> oh, yeah, Keith Kincaid. Is he still in the league? <laughs> All right, sim it up, Adam Deadmore. Colorado oh, Avalanche. Oh, Flyers fall back. <laughs> Let's do another one. Yeah, give me one more. <laughs> Flyers fall back one. All right, we'll do one more. Poppy Olique, that killed me. It's a good one. <laughs> Flyers fall back. No, no much better. Get this. Get the tankathon off the screen. Get this just out of bad, here. Just bad juju. We no, don't need that. the lottery? I'm sorry. Wait, how long can we do tankathon? Is it this week? Is the lottery this week? NHL? I don't know. It said it right, right above it. I know. We should have uh, no more here. Craig, give me a number. Two uh, days, one day. 51 days, 13 days, 15 days. Monday, May 8th at uh, 7 p.m. Six days. Okay, six days. Uh, Six days, five hours, 50 minutes, and 40 seconds until the 2023 NHL Draft Lottery Simulator. And if you've watched this or if you've uh, listened to this, it hasn't really gone Philadelphia Flyers' way. Uh, A lot of of eights, a lot of nines, the occasional two. We haven't hit one yet, I don't believe. But, uh, you know, hold out hope. Maybe the tides are turning. Maybe the tides in Boston are turning. And the tides in Philadelphia are turning. Mm. So far, Panthers are waking up that city. But hey, thank you both for coming on. I really appreciate it. If anyone listening to this is going to be a game two in Boston, I'll be there with Craig. Come out and say hi. If anyone has a Janko Jeans Connect, please slide in my DMs <laughs> <laughs> because I want to be like James Harden and or Jonkos. Sorry, not Jankos. Jonkos. We're calling them Jonkos. So good. Look oh, at that. oh my man. god. That's what happened to hip hop. I I just I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. What, Kev, yeah. You were like kind of goth, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I was into like metal, but I didn't I didn't like, you know, paint you my go black, you can go black wide leg jeans with the chains on the uh, maybe a little you eyeliner. No, you know who they wore Jenko's, but, like Jenko's were like a skater thing for a little bit. Uh, you know, like you had the big ass baggy corduroys and stuff in uh, like sixth or seventh grade or whatever. Well, I don't know, uh, man. I think I, I, I think I, I think I associate Jankos with more 
goth death metal than I do with uh, skaters. Uh, no, they wear they. I mean, they wear like baggy, you know, black pants, and they have the chains hanging off of them and stuff like yeah. that. But no, we didn't. We didn't. I, I was a kid who wore like a black, uh, you know, band T-shirt uh, to school every day for like a year straight. But no, we didn't. We weren't like the trench coat um, <laughs> people or whatever. They were scary. The trench coat yeah. mafia was scary. Yeah, it was not like that. It was not like the group of like uh, everybody dresses in black, you know. But the Jenkos, yeah, I had the corduroy. I had the Jenko corduroys. They were wow. like tan. They were like khaki or something. They were huge. They were massive. Yeah, but they were popular, man. All right. Well, if anyone has a Jenko yeah. connect, maybe Kevin has something sitting in the uh, in the old closet that's made it through seven different moves that your wife hasn't yeah. thrown out yet. Yeah. The um, correlation, the correlation between owning and wearing Jenkos and owning a Lincoln Park album was just like out of the world <laughs> yeah 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 you had high you were listening to hybrid theory in your uh your walk walk band where you had to you had to hold it like you played the cd in the friggin' thing and if you turned it sideways the cd would stop playing chocolate starfish actually i feel like chocolate starfish bridged gaps i feel like limp, limp biscuit bridged gaps because you had me who yeah. was like the the sports playing uh kid growing up yeah. And then you had like the Janko Goss who were like, I love we and we and Fred Durst was just right in the middle. Fred Durst was our uh, was our guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, David said David says that Coles has them, so we can go to Coles a little bit later. And David right. Berkowitz? Yeah. The son of Sam is in the chat. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, these are like two hundred dollars, huh? Whoa. Jesus, deal. Oh my god. Is this what happened? Did Janko become like a Janko came back? But the, now wow. it's like a two hundred dollar thing. Is that what happened, Kev? I was on Craigslist last night looking for Jankos in Philadelphia. Nothing cheaper than two hundred dollars. That's crazy, man. I mean, yeah, Jankos were like what, what you would wear Jankos, and you'd read like Thrasher magazine, and uh, you know, it was it was not um, it was not this crowd. I'll tell you that much. Look, look at the inseam though. Thirty thirty two. Like I'm gonna be sucking my gut. In. <laughs> go to like go to any thrift store like in the Delco area, and you'll find some pair of Jenko jeans. All right, I'm gonna go to Kohl's and I'm gonna go to the thrift stores all around Philadelphia, and we're gonna find Jenko jeans for today. And yeah. hopefully they're not size 32 inseam. How about Jenko's not being inclusive? Typical fashion people. <laughs> Inseam is crotch to ankle, says Craig. Well, what do you think, man? I'm a 34, 36. All right. I'm not a 32 inseam. It's like a flood's coming through. I think Craig's um, big on wearing pants anyway. So Craig, Craig definitely <laughs> wore Jankos. Um Next model for Jankos. All right. <laughs> all right. We went on long enough. Thank you both for coming on. Kev, great to have you back, buddy. It's good to be back. Thank you. Hope he's hope uh Hope we can come to the table in case those contract negotiations get a little heavy. Okay, just remember, just remember I'll, this episode. Yeah, I'll let you know when Bruno's set to replace you. Well. Okay, all right. Uh, Cog, I appreciate you, my man. Craig Always on the fun. ones and twos, the commenters, Ford. If you're listening to this, show your face. It's Nick Friedel and it's Ford right now, the two biggest frauds in crossing broadcast. <laughs> That's right. Go fuck yourself, Ford. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you Thursday.